You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie, and this is another episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. And today I have Gwen Jewell, who is a registered nurse and board-certified wound specialist. Gwen led her hospital pressure ulcer prevention efforts back in 2012, and they had a, a huge reduction. And it was through this work that she learned about the triumphant critical relationship between patient handling, ergonomics, and prevention of pressure ulcers. She now designs and sells high-quality wedges uh, that she calls the backbone that are changing lives and saving our precious healthcare dollars from these ulcers. Welcome, Gwen. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Katie. So, Gwen... Yeah, great. So listen, why don't you give us a little bit of background um, of you as a nurse? Like, how did you get into nursing? How did you get into wound care specialists leading up to your business? Okay, thank you. Yes, I am I'm a late bloomer in uh, nursing, and I actually was uh, studying biotechnology in my late 30s when one of the nurses that I worked with uh, turned to me and told me that her daughter worked as a home wound care nurse and made 60 bucks an hour. And um, I was thoroughly inspired by that and realized that I really enjoyed uh, the wound care part of health care. So I started studying nursing with the whole plan to become a wound care nurse the whole time. So um, I uh, fast forward, I got my first job in acute care in a medical surgical unit. So when they came around and started asking for volunteers to participate in the pressure injury prevention program, I was all excited and on board right away. And it, it, it got me started with trying to work with um, uh, teaching our staff and doing bedside interventions to help uh, get the pressure off and how to turn people. And I realized that um, when I was studying how to do, how to prevent pressure ulcers, there, everything was really very clearly laid out except for the turning piece. And where we were pretty much just told to just turn people 30 degrees and um, move on to the next topic. And there's, I realized when I was trying to do it that there's just so much more to it than that. It's, it's actually very difficult to do. Most caregivers struggle with actually getting the pressure off and understanding whether or not the, the, the pressure is reduced and, and what they're actually trying to do. And then there's a whole um, there's a whole array of people types, and not everybody's built the same, obviously. And so, turning can be um, much more difficult um, depending on what's going on with the patient. So when I started to dig a little bit deeper, I realized also that we, we really, not only did we not really address all these little nuances about turning and how to get the pressure off and how to keep it off, but the equipment really that we were using, we, we had $10,000 mattress surfaces and, 
and twenty dollar pillows and um really in between that we we didn't really have anything that was specifically um accommodating the patient and the the uh wedges that we had were cut to exactly thirty degrees and they were foam wedges um but uh it didn't take long to figure out that they um they weren't they weren't sustaining pressure relief for very long so i I started tinkering with the way it's designed and trying to identify and talking with the patients and talking with the nurses and trying to understand what's happening and why why we weren't successful in keeping a turn position for very long and I started um, uh, I took a, one of the wedges home yes I stole it I'll pay them back <laughs> Uh, and realized that well, okay, well, so the goal is that we're 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 trying to get the pressure off without uh, we're trying to support the patient without touching um, the sacrum and coccyx, of course, but also we need to keep them comfortable. It, it, if if a person is going to stay in that position, they have to be comfortable, or they're not going to be able to stay in that position. So I started cutting and chopping and got a fish knife, but. Um, Somebody who was experienced in foam told me to use a fishing knife, um, and it worked great. And so I started cutting and slicing and dicing and then uh, testing it under anybody who would let me test it under them. So uh, the nurses got in the habit of running away from me when they saw me coming with a chunk of foam. <laughs> so, um, but also my brother happens to have a spinal cord injury, so his input was priceless to me. So he um, uh, couldn't run away from me. So <laughs> he, he cooperated with me and, and told me what he thought. And I tried to design something that would accommodate every aspect of, of what's needed when you're turning somebody and we need to keep them comfortable. Of course, we need to get the pressure off. We need it to um, be functional for the caregiver. We need it to be able to stay um in position so that the pressure is reduced for an extended period of time and it can't be difficult for the caregiver to use it and it has to be handy it's pillow and uh, it has to be uh, antimicrobial and be water moisture resistant um, and uh, be uh, eco-friendly too because that was the other little shame about what we were doing is just throwing things away that um, uh, you know, we're perfectly good still. And, and uh, so I wanted something that could be reused and cost effective and eco-friendly and help uh, people stay comfortable and pressure offloaded. Wow, that's a tall order uh, to <laughs> put yeah, all those things of, into like things. one product. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it took me years. <laughs> I was going to ask you, that, so when did all of this start? So the, you were in the, the pressure ulcer prevention program back in 2012. So has it taken that long to develop this or were there additional steps in there? Well, um, yeah, it took a long time to the design, the final design I um, finally came to, it took about two and a half years to really come to something that, that um, I could say really is as functional as it could possibly be. And then uh, another several years to actually get it um, uh, produced and, and, and get up line and try to get it into the hands of the people that need it, which turns out to be also an, um, uh, a long, long, arduous process, you know, because there's a lot of um, information out there. And so 
um, it's it's hard to, to to get the word out. So that's been um, I actually launched the uh, product in mid 2016, May of 2016. So it's been out for a couple years now. So what was the process? So, you know, I understand like the iterations and stuff. I mean, but did you actually, like, how did you get the material and, and just keep cutting? Like, did you just keep, I mean, you clearly didn't keep stealing foam pieces from the hospital. I'm assuming, right? <laughs> no, no, it became too inefficient. <laughs> well, I, actually it was a, it, it was a real journey. It was a real exploration in, in, experience I found uh, uh, after many many phone calls and and um, trial and error I found a, a phone dealer um, about 60 miles from my house and I would go there and buy big blocks of foam and cut them then um, I uh, Craigslist found people to help me sew I actually took a few sewing classes myself and realized I was probably going to have to spend too much time learning how to sew. <laughs> so I had to find people to sew. And I, a lot of people, um, you know, started the project and um, didn't, uh, weren't interested in production. So I found, uh, so it ended up being that I had to do uh, assembly line um, style, uh, but uh, I was bringing the foam from, I would buy the foam from one place, cut it, or have a, there's a way to make a little, like basically a cookie cutter for foam and have them cut several pieces. And then I would drive it over to a seamstress that um, would sew it up. But first I had to make sure I ordered the, the materials, the fabric from uh, a dealer that was willing to sell me uh, less than a, a full bolt. So I had to get that shipped to me. And then I would, um, there's another way that you can uh, have a the fabric cut um, in bulk. So I had to take the fabric to get it cut in bulk. And then I'd take the whole package over to the seamstress and have them sew it. And then I would make my own um, package inserts and then um, get some uh, wrap to wrap the plastic and then um, get the website set up and all that stuff. So there's a lot of little steps. And I was doing the assembly line until um, I found a manufacturer that was able to do the whole process for me, which took took several years also. They they um, they need uh, big manufacturers, so it, it's hard to find somebody that, that can uh, manufacture in small quantities. All right, especially in the United States. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's too bad that we didn't meet years ago because my dad actually owns a foam manufacturing plant, and that's all we – I grew up with foam really? all over the house, and, you know, we're always plucking out foam, and oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my we, gosh. Well, we should talk anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it, it, that sounds like a, an enormous amount of work, and I feel like uh, most people would have just – given up or something like you know it, it might have felt futile at, at some level like what what kept you going um you know it it, it did feel futile and I I what kept me going was knowing that I'm um onto something huge and you know I, it's not like I didn't get discouraged or feel like um you know that it was more effort than it was worth but it really it really I really felt like um, somebody, somebody needs to do this and it might as well be me, 
because we we have we have an epidemic coming and I think, you know, the, the healthcare industry is aware of it, but I think most people um, don't realize that, that we, we're going to start facing a really big problem with, with pressure injuries. And it's a problem that affects everybody. And so, and this is such an important piece that is um, um, not, um, I think that that the industry isn't really aware of. I'm I'm almost afraid they're going to find out and um, uh, beat me to it <laughs> because I know that this is this is such a critical piece and that I know that it can make a really big difference and um, it might as well be me that does it. So I keep telling myself that and that I've got nothing to lose really by doing this. It's just that it's something I want to do and. It's, I'm passionate about it and and thrilled that I'm I'm experiencing success. So it feels good. It's worth it. Yes. <laughs> so Gwen, you had said that um, a, a part of this was ergonomics, right? And uh, you know, when you're not at the bedside and you, you start to forget, um, you know, and I know our average uh, patient is over 200 pounds, um, but when you're you're teaching staff to get the pressure off and uh, get the patient in a position that's comfortable and effective. Like what are the ergonomic issues around that for the nursing staff and, and why is it a problem? Right. And this is, this is something that was, I've had so many aha moments where I'm like, Oh my God, this is so relevant to everything about um, hospital acquired conditions, not just, not just pressure injuries, but um, the the patient handling while the person's in in bed bound is is so much more complicated than uh, it meets the eye at first. And caregivers need to be taught it's basic nursing, but we we also need to address um, we especially need to address the need the physical needs of the patient the same way. Um, when you're sitting at a desk for a long period of time, you you need to pay attention to how your body is positioned. Otherwise, you're going to get body aches. It's the same thing in bed, except that these people have more than one problem. They're not healthy people. So they might have a spinal cord injury in the worst case, or, or they might have a stroke and they can't move one side, or they have a broken hip, or they... Um, there's just a thousand different things that could be going on with the patient. And so the, how you position them and where you put each body part is, is critical. And it, and it really does depend on so many more, even more variables than what you're looking at if you're sitting at an office desk. So I've outlined a lot of uh, the ergonomics and also uh, what the caregiver does with their bodies, because uh, as we all know, uh, Caregiver, the healthcare industry, nurses and nurses aides have a higher injury rate than any other industry in the U.S. And it this has a lot to do with how they're handling patients when they're in the bed, um, not just trying to get them out of the bed, but also trying to help them turn if they're over 200 pounds or 400 pounds, or that they um, all kinds of little things can go on. Like a lot of patients are afraid to be turned, and they do things that are unpredictable. There's just also a thousand ways the caregiver can accidentally hurt themselves when they're um, helping the patient um, turn or boost and all that. So, so all these things are related to each other when it comes to trying to um, 
safely handle the patient to prevent pressure injuries, but also to, to prevent musculoskeletal injuries, um, the, 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 the hospital-acquired conditions of, of uh, patient injury, safe patient handling, and caregiver injury, and pressure ulcers, they're all related to each other. So I think it's important to identify these things before we, before we um, go in to, to, to move the patient. We, we need to know what to do and, and especially what not to do specifically. Right. And how does, how does your wedge help with ergonomics? Well, what, um, what my wedge is, is focused, it's, it's a symmetrical wedge. So instead of most wedges are, um, well, there's several different um, sizes of wedges in terms of length. They're all cut to 30 degrees. But um, what we need to do ergonomically is, is focus on preventing um, uh, twisting and turning while supporting as much of the body parts as we can. In other words, you, you want to um, increase the surface area. That's a, a principle of pressure injury prevention is that the support that is being supported, if, if you can position somebody so that they're um, that there's no gravity, if they're floating into space, you would see that their, their body is, um, there's no particularly hard spot that um, their position and everything bent slightly. So you want to um, position that you want the wedge to support all the way across um, as much of the body surface as it can, it can support without touching the bony prominences that are most vulnerable. So you don't want something that's too short. If it's a small, short wedge, it's only supporting the top of the back and maybe the hips. Um, if you have a wedge that's um, uh, covering both the, uh, the whole back and the hips, um, you're going to be in contact with the bony prominences. So, and also, if you have a wedge that's the truth is, in, in a lot of my studies, if a wedge is cut all the way to 30 degrees, it puts them too far over because um, basically 30 degrees is not an ergonomic position. It's not a natural position for people. People, if you didn't have anything to support you, you wouldn't be able to sleep in a 30 degree position. So you have to have something that supports all the way across everything that needs to be supported. So my wedge is actually a, a lower profile wedge so that it goes under the person so that it fits um, so that the person is laying on top of it and they're actually positioned on top of it but everything that needs to be touching is touching um, the entire across the entire scapula and back and then buttocks but it's not touching the um, uh, sacral coccyx area so Ergonomically, you're getting full support without twisting, but also your uh, the the cushion is fitting under the person, as opposed to to pushing them to the side, which is what most um, large wedges do. And you're extending the surface area as, as much as possible. Does that make sense? It's it's very yeah. No, that it, that does make sense, and I I like the the phrase you know floating in space. That that kind of you know makes you feel like the person is really that pressure's off because I can, I'm just imagining somebody that's bed bound that, you know, is being turned from like one bony prominence to the next. And it's like, 
you know, I've had that experience and it, it hurts, you know, like even after you've been right. off of it for like a half an hour, the other side starts to hurt and then it's like back and forth. So that, that really does, uh, it's a nice, I like that phrase anyway. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you're shooting for. And I think a lot of caregivers struggle with trying to get that perfect angle um, without going all the way over to the other bony prominence. It's really hard to do. Right. So. Um, so do you have any um, like examples of how this is, has been effective for people? Um, you've, you've had clients that have been using this. Uh, what are they, what kind of feedback have you been getting from them? Well, I get um, all kinds of <clears throat> uh, tearful phone calls from people saying that they, thank you. It is the first thing that's ever helped my mother, my grandmother, my wife, my husband, um, it really, in, in the, the home, I get the most um, passionate responses from people that are taking care of loved ones at home because they've, they've been searching for something and they're willing to try anything that might uh, help uh, their loved ones feel more comfortable also. So most of the people that buy my cushion have been, have been have gone to page six, you know, and, and just in a quest to find something that, that is more comfortable. And also they're, they're telling me that they, their pressure ulcers are, are resolving, that they're finally getting enough pressure off to, to allow the, um, the wounds to heal. So I'm, I'm, I got a lot of people that are just lining up to be interviewed. They're so excited about it. And if I wasn't, if I was a technology, technological guru, I'd, I'd have those for you. <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's, it's, that's a, I can make a cushion, but I guess I can't, uh, I'm having trouble with the technology, but I, I get, you know, and it, there are several, um, hospitals that are using it now and, um, telling me that the nurses prefer it and even sort of um, fight over who gets to use the wedge <laughs> for the next time. And patients that are complaining, well, hey, where are you going with my wedge? You know, which is, really makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah that, that's a, a big, uh, a big yeah. test of it to you. Um, yeah. Wow, that, that's awesome. Um, so what are the kind of... Uh, is it just one type of wedge or do you have multiple different wedges? Like the, is it a one size fits all type of thing or? I have three different sizes and for uh, bariatric and then medium for uh, large people. And then, but the standard works for most people. Um, my um, pipeline is to have a pediatric one and also to set it up so that um, for people that must stay on their back, um, this is the only turning wedge um, available that you can actually put on both sides of the person and it'll achieve some pressure offloading while the person's on their back and it'll support somebody while they're in the MRI or something, you know, where they have to stay on their back and they have to stay as still as possible, which is a real back killer for people who suffer from back pain also. So um, working on a model that can be connected so that it'll... Um, It'll support somebody like that. And also, I, I actually, the, the truth is my first experiments were with a heel floating cushion because I, um, it didn't take long for me to figure out that people who um, were having trouble floating their heels were having trouble because um, 
they people need to move their legs if they can they try to move their legs and um there wasn't really anything that'll accommodate um somebody who's in in bed for a long period of time you can't elevate somebody's legs forever it's fine enough to elevate them for a little while but somebody that needs their heels floated at all times can't keep their legs in, in an elevated position forever and the, the foam boots are um a double-edged sword also that they, they work fine and everything when they work but when they don't work they're they're um, um more of a problem than they are a solution so i i'm working on uh, my final design for that uh, so i had several different iterations of my long-term floating cushion and i'm coming up that one now so that's where i'm going i'm trying to set it up so that uh, we can achieve effective pressure reduction in for all the areas of um all the aspects because it's not a one size fits all kind of thing the, the pillows the pillows are what people use for one size fits all and but it's really um not one one size works for all kind of thing so i'm trying to uh set up my pipeline to cover all the areas that people need for all the different shapes of people Right. So this is, uh, you know, this could really be for patients with diabetes or spinal cord injury or people that are just bed bound or in the ICU where our patients are uh, sedated and paralyzed maybe. And um, I mean, the, the, so many ideas are coming to my mind, like what are, where are you focusing uh, this market or what are you looking at? Well, I want to reach the community first because, well, first of all, I have, I guess I should say I have reached the community first because I think, I see that's where really the greatest need is. It's, hospitals are very focused on preventing injuries, pressure ulcers that happen in the hospital, and we're getting much better at it um, for a variety of reasons. We can, both, most hospitals can, both the incident, incident means um, you know, how many uh, pressure ulcers occur while the person is in, in the facility that you're looking at. And so most hospitals can um, get it down to like 2% of their population or less. And uh, skilled nursing facilities, the numbers are really higher, but um, not really quite as high as what's happening in the community that people are the pressure ulcers, most of them are really starting there where people are struggling to, to care for loved ones. They're, they're, they're too sick to, to um, uh, prevent them themselves, but not sick enough to be in a acute care or they can't afford acute care. And so um, the pressure ulcers are happening there. So I think that's where the greatest need is. We're, we're talking about millions of people that need my my stuff and need help with preventing pressure ulcers and I think if it, if we start there we can we can um, we can uh, ward back the tsunami of of the epidemic that's coming so that's that's where I want to start and of course I, I it, I've designed it to be useful for in any healthcare environment so I think it should be used in any healthcare environment and I think it's gonna it's designed to be functional wherever it's used so. Um, certainly the healthcare industry um, and medical care, the more more um, it can be used in that industry, the better off everybody is. 
Right. Yeah, no, I can totally see this in the community for sure. Uh, and especially where in the hospital setting, like you, like you mentioned, you know, there's 24 hour nursing. So we're in there and we're on a schedule every two hours to, to turn people. But at home, that gets a little right. bit, uh, you know, less exacting and harder to, to manage. And, uh, you know, Very the caregivers are doing everything they can. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard, and it's you know people feel bad. They they they're doing everything they can, and um, then the their person is um, getting a pressure injury anyway. And there's it's 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 hard for everybody. It's frustrating, and nobody can turn a person every two hours all day long. And even even that itself, it's it's a uh, I think we we have to uh, go with. Um, turning everybody two hours because our wedges aren't holding them um, off the pressure for long, any longer than that. Actually, there's one study at Stanford did that, that showed that most people stay in the turn position for less than 15 minutes when you use a standard pillow. And so um, the, even the, the every two hour turn thing is, is ambiguous because it, it doesn't really, um, it's, it's there because we're not able to get the pressure off. Any, any longer than that, and I think if we we can we can go a long way to preventing all kinds of because um, there's a double-edged sword to turn everybody two hours. It, it might be good for them at some point, but at some point they have to sleep, and you, it's unsustainable for everybody. So right. So you said the other wedges um, when you put them on, uh, people kind of twist out of them maybe in 15, 20 minutes, according to the Stanford study. So how does your wedge prevent that or how does it address that issue well um there it addresses it by resolving the reasons why the pressure gets reduced if you put a pillow under somebody the pillow will bottom out which means it just kind of goes flat the constant pressure eventually it goes flat and so the person's off of it it might be really comfortable but it's not offloading the pressure anymore um and wedges um the the problem with a 30 degree wedge is it's it's actually resting at the side of the patient so instead of supporting under the patient the wedge is pushing the patient to the side so um like i said mentioned earlier that uh ergonomically a 30 degrees is not a natural position and so if you don't support that position correctly it's very uncomfortable not only is it not possible to do without the support if the support isn't correct, the person's uncomfortable. So uh, if they can at all, they'll try to wiggle into a position of musculoskeletal comfort. So my wedge addresses that problem by distributing the pressure evenly, supporting under the person rather than to the side, rather than pushing them to the side, setting the support to fit under the person and making it gradual enough so that they actually feel that all their their musculoskeletal they feel fully supported um, rather than pushed. So it it sounds perfectly simple, but it took me a long time to figure out how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds but like really nobody else has comfort. figured that out. <laughs> yeah, it, it is about comfort, though. I, I started with the question: Well, why do the patients prefer the pillows? Because the truth is, it, when we're positioning, the, the patients tend to complain about the wedges and prefer the pillows. Um, and it's because the pillows are easy to get all the way under them and they don't, they, they feel supported. 
and they don't realize because it happens gradually over 15 minutes they don't realize they're back on their pressure sore because it, it happened gradually mm-hmm. so that's what you got to do you got to keep them comfortable it's it's that's the bottom line well wow, that's amazing um i'm sold i want to buy one and i don't even have a well go to my website <laughs> yeah. um yeah because uh, you know it didn't and that's something like even as a nurse and i've worked neurocritical care for a long time and I've taken for granted because I've never been in it in this, you know, just, I haven't been asking the questions, but I've always taken for granted that the wedge was good enough and that it was, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing or, or not. But, um, you know, it didn't occur to me that 30 degrees wasn't a natural position, even though it doesn't look natural when you're looking at patients, especially when you try sitting them up, you know, it's just like a design. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's another thing. Yeah. That, that, and that's I just just coincidence because the fact that my wedge is crescent shaped means that it's more flexible, and so when you raise the head of the bed, it stays in position because it it flexes with the position. Just thought I'd slip that in there. If you'll excuse the pun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's really important because there's. I mean, if you can't sit the patient up, and you can only leave them in this one position, and it's like either left or right, and that's it. You know, uh, you know, getting that p- patient up and out of bed or um, in a different position is is key but then once they're in the chair or once they're sitting up like the wedge doesn't really work that well anymore it, at least not for right. the sacrum mm-hmm. yeah no it doesn't it pops out or or it's even more uncomfortable so but your cushion does it's it's suitable for sitting up um, yeah, well, some people put it in the chair. As a matter of fact, you can, um, because it's more flexible, you can have the patient actually sit on, sit on the wedge on one side, you know, one, one side of the buttocks and, um, uh, turn gradually. You, you have to support the other side though, because, because on the bed, if you, if you use the wedge, the, the support on the other side is, is the bed. So it's natural, but, um, on a chair, you need to just, fill that other side with something so that their opposite shoulder has somewhere to go. But yeah, you can, it does, it, it works in semi-fowler much better, you know, it, and uh, offloads a person in a turn position when, when you raise the head of the bed, it stays into place, which is, I can probably say is the only wedge that really does that. It, some of the other wedges um, uh, will stay in place. Like the smaller, the smaller the wedge is, um, the little, the little triangle shape, the more likely the person is going to um, still have it under them, but they, they slip other directions, like they slip up or down, or they, uh, they tend to, since they're not distributing the weight evenly, they, they tend to um, force one part of the body over further than the other. So you, you have twisting, so they, they're not as comfortable. Yeah. All right. So it's yeah, they're real. They're real much more comfortable. That's what it comes down to. Um, Gwen, this is amazing. Uh, so I guess the last kind of question that I want to ask before we finish up here is, you know, what what is kind of your your vision for this? What is uh, what do you see happening in the next couple of years with this company? Well, I I I definitely want to see it 
um, helping people. And I know that might sound a little cliche, but if I'm trying to get the attention of people that can really influence um, the the use of it and, and get it universal. And it's it's not just something that we need in the United States. It's something that we need everywhere. So uh, I can't do it by myself, but I, I vision this getting everywhere so that, um, that people that, you know, in some of the other countries, this uh, pressure incidents, pressure ulcer incidents rate is just out the roof. And it's, it's, it's so crazy that we could do a couple of simple things to really reduce that um, by astronomically. So, Obviously, I'd like to get this everywhere, and uh, I, um, you know, that's my vision to to be able to say, you know, someday that um, our pressure ulcers are are more, you know, a thing of the past or more something much more manageable than they are now. Because really, we if we don't if we don't start getting really aggressive, the community acquired and uh, everywhere, it's, it's, it's going to be. It's going to be a modern day epidemic. It's ironic because it it was an epidemic before, um, but the truth is that people died before. You know, people died a lot more from pressure ulcers than they do now. And so now we're getting better at keeping people alive, and we're getting much better at at wound care. Um, and um, the 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 side effect of that is that people are are going to be more vulnerable to pressure ulcers because they're alive, especially we have an elderly population that's growing exponentially. And then we're, we're getting so good at chronic, at keeping people with chronic illnesses alive that this epidemic is coming back. It's going to be people living with um, being at con- high risk. People who are at high risk for pressure injuries um, are much, it's a much bigger group, much bigger population. And so, especially with the elderly, we're going to get a lot more of this. And so we need to focus on prevention and, and um, keeping it accessible to everybody, keeping prevention measures accessible. Yeah, and, I, you know, we're totally grateful that there's nurses like you that are out there doing this. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, so, Gwen, can you give us, um, like, if somebody wants to contact you or find you, how do, how do we find you? Well, I have my website. Um, that's Jewel with two L's. www.jewelnursingsolutions.com. So, um, or my back, my web is called the Backbone. But um, if you search under that, I think you'll find a lot of stuff about backs and not me. So, it's, my name is Gwen Jewel, and I'm on LinkedIn, and uh, I have the website, and. So look me up. I'll be happy to talk to you. If anybody else is out there that's passionate about safe patient handling and caregiver ergonomics and pressure injury prevention especially, I'd love to talk with you. I could go on and on. Just put some time aside. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I will put those links in the, um, in the show notes so that people can find you easily. And we'll also put a picture of your, if you let us, we'll put a picture of uh, the backbone, what that looks like so people can see it. So. Oh, yes, please do. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's the show and it, it looks interesting. At least you'll stop and go, what the heck is that? <laughs> so. All right, Gwen. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Katie. Have a good day.